Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. Let's do the 8 at 8. Eight stories to uh, get your Monday moving along here. One. All right, let's start with the playoffs. Let's start with the AFC. Kansas City, 17. Baltimore, 10. Um... This was a game where the Ravens made just a litany of bad mistakes, undisciplined mistakes, penalties in this game. Ultimately, Lamar Jackson throws an interception into triple coverage in the end zone, which is the, the, the dagger in the heart of this game. I thought, Real poor job by Gene Steratore, by the way, on explaining why that was Very poor, yeah. I, did, I didn't think that it should have been interference because it was just such a bad throw. Right. But, because I don't think he could have – I don't think uh, the, the Ravens receiver could have worked his way back to the ball. But – Serator was acting like there was no contact before the ball got there. Right. Like that's that's very untrue He's based on what you're showing on the screen right this literally moment. Literally saying it as yeah. the guy is getting hit before the ball is 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 down there. I yeah. blame Romo. I think Serator <laughs> spends so much time explaining the rule only for Romo to understand it even less yeah. that I think Serator has kind of given up. Yeah. Maybe. This was a game I thought at halftime I thought the Ravens were lucky to be down 17-7 at the half, honestly. <laughs> the it was, Chiefs dominated well, that first it, half. It, it was kind of like the Texans game last week where it was tied, but, man, it did not feel like it should be tied. Right. It, it, it did not feel like the Texans should still be uh, tied in that situation. Yeah, the, the, the Chiefs just so thoroughly dominated in the first half of that game that um, I, if you would have told me the score was going to end up 17-10, I would have thought it would have involved more fireworks out of Baltimore. Uh, but it, but it didn't. Yeah, did not. So Kansas City is on to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Just the second team, or the, I'm sorry, the third team to do that. The Patriots did it from 2014 to 2018. Of course, the Buffalo Bills went to four straight and lost all of them back in the early 90s. Two. NFC title game. Been talking about this one quite a bit today. This one seems to be getting the most run because of Dan Campbell's controversial decisions to Go forward on fourth down a couple times in this game instead of kicking field goals. The Lions had a 24 to 7 lead at halftime of this game in San Francisco and they lose 34 to 31. They were they were on the scoreboard thoroughly dominated in the second half. Eventually they were dominating the Detroit Lions, but there were mistakes and fluky things happening that I thought help the Niners get back in this game. Certainly Campbell's decision to go for it on fourth and two, up 24 to 10, where he could have kicked a field goal and gone up 27 to 10. That didn't work out. They didn't convert. But the Niners got a fluky catch on what should have been an interception by the Lions. This is down deep down inside Lion territory. They turned that into a touchdown. The very next series, 
Jameer Gibbs fumbles the football on the first play from scrimmage. They turn that into a touch, a short touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's 24-24. And if I'm the Niners, I'm like, man, it's 24-24, and I feel like I haven't even earned this yet. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's kind of how it played out. Like, now we got some mojo going now. They did, and uh, there, there was some flukishness to it. At the same time, I felt like the 49ers made the right adjustments at the half. Defensively, they... They changed it up and started being a bit more aggressive. Not in terms of blitzing or anything, but just playing more man coverage. Uh, offensively, they realized, okay, what are we doing here? We're trying to run into a brick wall for no good reason. Let's just get back into Or we're passing out of gun. Let's just get back into Brock Purdy under center. Let's, let's attack through the air when appropriate. And they and, and they just kind of ultimately threw some of those fluke plays, but then also through, I, I think, just physically winning more downs just took over. And then, uh, yeah, and then Dan Campbell just decided to go for it. Every yeah, season. he did. He did. We'll, we'll, we'll talk plenty about this game in the last couple hours of the show here. Three. Uh, a little coaching news uh, for the Texans. Nothing new with Bobby Slowick. It'll be interesting now to see what happens with Ben Johnson, the OC for Detroit, available. Does he indeed get the Washington Commanders job, which would eliminate one empty seat for Bobby Slowick? And then there's Seattle, who does have interest in Bobby Slowick, but it looks like Dan Quinn has emerged as the favorite for that job. The Cowboys defensive coordinator, former Seahawks defensive coordinator, so there's familiarity with him. So we're in a holding pattern with Bobby Slowick. Meanwhile, Gerard Johnson continues to garner a ton of interest around the league, potentially as an offensive coordinator. He's interviewed for jobs in Cleveland, New Orleans, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh. Some of those have been filled, including Philadelphia naming Kellen Moore, former Cowboys OC, their OC over the weekend. Add Tampa Bay to the list of teams interested in interviewing Gerard Johnson for their vacant OC job. Their OC, Tampa Bay's, is now Dave Canales, now the head coach in Carolina. So they have a vacancy in Tampa. And I guess the, the other potential vacancy you got to think about is that, that OC job with Detroit if Ben Johnson is uh, up and out of yeah, there, too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, with look, Ben Johnson is, uh, as they talked about on the broadcast last night, I love Greg Olson. Uh, like, he doesn't, Ben Johnson doesn't, like, you can't necessarily pin him into any one particular school or not. But Jared Goff does have a whole lot of experience playing for Sean McVay in that uh, Kubiak Shanahan system. So, like, it, it would make sense that Gerard Johnson, with his experience this year, uh, might. Might uh, be able to start off with a head start working with Jared Goff. Dude, forget about his experience in a system. The main reason Gerard Johnson becomes a candidate in Detroit, Aggie. Dan yeah. Campbell, Aggie. Yeah, that's, Aaron Glenn, yeah, he's got, Aggie. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. He could have an all-Aggie staff if he gets rid of Ben Johnson and puts Gerard Johnson in there. Four. Four. All right, let's get to some baseball. Uh, Hector Neris, if you're an Astro fan with a Hector Neris jersey and you've been holding out hope that your jersey still applies – for the 2024 season, that you can wear it to games without looking like one of those fans who's living in the past? Newsflash, you're going to be looking like you're living in the past. Hector Neris is a Chicago Cub. He signs a one-year, $9 million deal, player option for another year if he gets to 60 appearances in 2024, which if this season is anything like other seasons, Neris should get to 60 appearances fairly easily. The maximum total on the deal, two years, $23.25 million with incentives. Congratulations to Hector Neris, who did a lot of good things for the Astros through this latter part of their golden era that we're in right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, look, it, it is one of those situations where, uh, yes, there are other contracts you would rather not 
perhaps be on the pitching staff right now, but they are. And it's baseball. There's nothing you can really do about it. That money's guaranteed. So uh, you would have preferred Hector Neris compared to others, and yet uh, the fact they got Hater pretty much precluded any of that from happening. Yes. So I just, I'm, I'm at peace with it. Hater, if it weren't for Hater, then I'd really be wondering, like, what the I'd be a grumpy old man about it. And since I can't ignore you make, mentioning somebody wearing, uh, like, an old jersey or something at a game, I did uh, it, the guy wearing the Derrick Henry jersey at the Ravens game. Yeah, what was that all about? He's just wearing a Derrick Henry and jersey. And cheering like all. crazy. Yeah. Like, that, was, <laughs> that was so strange. I don't know. Was he a Chiefs fan that hated the Ravens or something? I don't know. Yeah. Was he, uh, I was thinking the same thing. Like, who, who is this guy? Uh, I saw that Derrick Henry was trading, trending, and I was like, oh, maybe this is Texans involved. Like, no. no oh, was he really? Crazy... That's probably why. Yeah. yeah, he was trending. No, he was trending because of the because there was a crazy Derrick Henry fan. That yeah. was wild, yeah. Five. 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 All right, five. Uh, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, he's heading into his second year in Colorado. Um, he got a nice gift from his sons over the last few days, his three sons, Shiloh and Shadur, both of whom play for him, and Deion Jr., who does social media for Colorado. Apparently, they're doing pretty good, the three of them. Good enough to where they can get their old man, who himself, I don't think, is hurting for cash, but it was nice of them to do this. They just bought Coach Prime a new house, a nice new house, in Boulder, right near the CU campus. This is Shadur and Coach Prime just chopping it up about this new house that Coach Prime got, standing on the back patio. For y'all three to just, you know, want to put it together so that y'all make sure I'm straight when y'all gone is... uh... That's unbelievable, son. It almost provokes a tear. Look at that, man. Your life complete now, man. <laughs> we gotta win. That's when it's complete. It's gonna happen. I appreciate this, though. My three sons. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like that was uh, almost a dismissive. I appreciate this, though. Like, yeah, that's not, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. So I thought I the same gotta, thing. I'm like, man. Gotta, <laughs> He's like, it almost, I, it almost evokes a tear. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly, I'm putting myself in Deion Sanders' situation. There's a part of me that's like, I want to tell him, like, uh, guys, I really appreciate this, but what the hell are you doing? Like, no, we've talked about this. I've told you where you're going to put your money, how you're going to preserve it. I don't need this freaking... I've got houses. Yeah. I don't need this house. Thank you, guys. I really do appreciate it, but what the hell are you doing? Well, the weirdest part was the beginning. is like, I appreciate you looking out for me once you're, for when once you're gone. Like, he's saying that to him. Like, like he's sleeping on Shadur's couch right now or something like that. Like, Dad, yeah, yeah. I know you've been this- staying with me since you became coach of Colorado, but someday I'm I- not going to be here anymore. I'm going to be in the NFL, and so is Shiloh, and you're going to need a place to stay. So here's this seven-bedroom mansion on, yeah. on the mountains. I, I just, I can't, maybe I'm too cynical yeah. uh, with uh, the way that the NCAA is right now and everything, but I can't help but feel there's a, like a really heavy staged element to this yeah. about like showing that he's committed to staying there and his sons are on board with him staying there and everything. I don't, I don't need to have this presented to me like it's some kid that just bought his mom who works two shifts at the hospital every yeah. night uh, a house for the first time in her life. Did you said the Six. one son does social media? What what do you what Dion do you do, Dion Jr. does social media for Colorado for the school oh, for the okay. football program? Yeah, maybe among other things, but I know he he does it for the school. Six. Um, he uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, defensive end for the New York Giants. Uh, man, localizing this a little bit here, the Texans have done a really good job of steering clear of having any of their young players generate any sort of drama or opinion that could cause any sort of strife in the locker room. Here was Kayvon Thibodeau. Giants defensive end. If we recall, Daniel Jones got paid this offseason, 
and Saquon Barkley had to toil <laughs> on the franchise tag. Here is Kayvon Thibodeau on the 7 p.m. in Brooklyn podcast, which includes Carmelo Anthony as one of the hosts. And he had this to say about who should have gotten signed first between Saquon and Daniel Jones. Let me tell you what I'm mad at. And it's the only thing I'll say about that. What I'm mad about is that Saquon, because if you look at the game, the tape, Saquon was responsible for at least 30% of our explosive plays. Oh, not more. Talking about the year we won the playoff game. So for me and for the integrity of, you know, working together and hard work and we all believe the same things, I feel like Saquon should have got paid first. That's what I feel. And maybe, you know, who, who, I don't know the back end. Maybe it's a franchise. Maybe it's an extension. Maybe it's blah, blah, blah. That's none of my business. I don't, you know, that's just, I, I focus on me. That's the respect we was talking about. Like, exactly. It's, it's, With it's the you, team chemistry yeah, and all this. Because like, we see on. it. Why not? Like, yeah. when you think of Saquon, who you think of? That's giant. He's the face of the. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> I tell you what, that's a, this is the danger of the podcast there. Because when you hear him in his tone of, tone of voice, I actually think, like, I think, I feel like he was trying to. Be deferential to the organization. And, like, in that conversational tone, yeah, this is a conversation you could be having with your friends, perhaps. And yet, and yet, like, you got to be conscious enough of the fact that, like, well, no, you're doing it on a podcast and in print and everywhere else, it's going to look a whole lot different. Yeah. That's it. When I read about it, it was not nearly as bad as when I heard that right there. Because, but the qualifiers and everything that he puts in there, that doesn't make it to the article. That's, you know, no, that, no. Like him saying multiple times, like, hey, look, that's just, this is just how I feel. Like, I feel like it should have been this or what have you. Uh, yeah, you got to be conscious of the sound bites, man. Seven. Seven. All right, another sound bite coming up here. You know my take. Joe Flacco, I feel like Joe Flacco deserves comeback player of the year over DeMar Hamlin. And, and I understand the nuance of the situation, and I understand I'm in the minority. I also understand Joe Flacco played the same amount of games as DeMar Hamlin. He did do it at a much more difficult position and at a high level. I don't. You're not part of the minority. You're part of the people that are just aren't bothering. To, most people are just like I'm not. This is the, not the fight I need to fight. Okay. Because everybody else on everybody else on social media is like, I can't believe right. that anybody would claim okay. that Demar Hamlin. I, don't you see how noble I am in, <laughs> then, in advocating for this? Then for all of you who won't speak up, I'm the hero that you need. I'm here to yeah, speak up yeah, about yeah. it now. You know who might be one of those people that Seth just did that weird voice for. Joe Flacco. Here is Joe Flacco on the Zach Gelb show on who he thinks should win comeback player of the year. I'm just coming back from, you know, what, being old and, you know, not not being on a team for a couple months. So who knows? Would that be bizarre if you won the award with the way that you just laid it out? Oh, of course. You know, I I think we could probably go through most, like I said, most of the guys on that list besides DeMar. Um, You know, I don't know if we're necessarily coming back from anything, but uh, like so, I you said, think Demar should win it? Is that what you're saying? Just wonder. For sure, you know, I, I don't know how many snaps he played, but I just think mentally to get yourself back to the point where you feel comfortable doing that kind of thing, and you know, obviously the physical part stands, you know, stands for you know, you don't need any explanation there, but I think mentally to get yourself ready to go back out there and um, feel feel good doing that, you know, what we do. Uh, especially at his position, um, it, it's pretty cool. That's a good case he makes. It's a good it actually case he is. Makes right there. It, it yeah. actually that that is a point. Like the whole like, okay, I nearly died on the field getting hit in the chest on a routine football play. Like that part would mess with me. I would think a little. I mean, there's a lot of things with football that would mess with me. I'm way softer than anybody who ever played the game. But that part that that is a point 
that is a, a a good point by Flacco, which is all the more reason I think he should win comeback player of the year. But, He's playing quarterback <laughs> at a high level and making good points as to why DeMar Hamlin should win the award. Yeah. Okay. okay, as you credit Flacco, like what else what the hell else is he gonna say? Anybody that's up for that award would say that. You know, it's not like Flacco's gonna No, 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 but I, I but I thought the specificity of his point about the mental oh, yeah. part of getting back on yeah. the field. Like yeah. I, you know, of yeah. course I'm expecting him to defer I'm not expecting Flacco to campaign for the award. I just thought he made a really intelligent point, which I've ignored, which is oh yeah. That is true. Like, it was just a routine football play that sent you into cardiac arrest on the field. It was uh, on the SNL up news update this weekend. It showed, uh, I think, the, the first Native American woman ever to be up for an Academy Award, and um, then it, then they they showed the four other uh, the four other women. Uh, who are up for the award, <laughs> who were quoted as saying, please don't let me win this award, please don't <laughs> let me win this award, please don't let me win this award. <laughs> That's funny. You're like, if I'm up for that award, I'm like, oh, God, please don't. I don't, uh, I don't need to be the headline in it. Please, need no. this blowback. No. Yeah. Just, yeah, like, just let me live my life. I just want to act. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, last <laughs> one, last one. People who listen to this show or know me personally may know that I've got a big thing for Dolly Parton. Huge thing. She's one of my five favorite people on the face of the earth. I think she's a tremendous human being. So when this singer named L. King, who happens to be Rob Schneider's daughter, by the way, she's a pretty famous country singer. Um, she was doing a tribute at the Grand Ole Opry to Dolly Parton singing the song Marry Me. Apparently completely bleep faced. And <laughs> <laughs> this is what it sounded like. Holy I swear to God, if you guys tell Dolly, one, two, three, four, he gonna marry me, we gonna go there, he gonna be so sweet, we gonna go round round. I don't know lyrics to these things in his f***ing town. Don't tell Dolly, because it's your birthday. <laughs> she's messed up. I can't believe y'all bought tickets for this bleep. Um, so what, what, okay. She uh, she murdered that song. She got yeah. the words wrong. She inserted curse words. Dolly would never have a curse word cross her lips, I don't think. She's a delicate flower. Um, and she was hammered up on stage, too, by the way. She was hammered. In fact, she has postponed several of her upcoming shows because of this performance at the Grand Ole Opry. So I say this, L. King. Keep Dolly Parton's songs out of your mouth. Sincerely, oh, Sean Pendergast. This is a bad thing? Like, people are taking his disrespect to Dolly? I am. You are? Yeah, I am. Yeah. She's just drunk on stage? Drunk on stage, doing it as a tribute. She's, that was supposed to be a tribute song to Dolly Parton. She didn't even know the words. She's well, drunk. She's drunk. Yeah. R- right. Has country, has country music grown this soft that they won't acknowledge? I can't believe that, you're like, excusing this. I'll stand up for a lot of 38% of their songs are about being too drunk to Dolly do a proper Parton, tribute to Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton and Susanna Hoffs. If you have a bad thing to say about either of them, you're going to have to mess with me. She was trying to show like she was drunk and showing respect yeah, to Dolly Parton. She sucked at it. I, uh, of all places, I am not going to get snobby about like so- sobriety of whether you can can. can Sing a drunken, sing a sing a country right. song drunk. She couldn't. That was, that was the so, problem. <laughs> and somebody, oh yeah, boy, I heard like boy, I heard that uh, K 
Kenny Chesney was drunk when he sang a David Allen Coe song. I'll never support him again. Dolly's never, not never. drunk up on stage. David Allen Coe is. Yeah, he's not drunk. Nobody sings about being drunk. Yeah, he he's does not sing drunk about on being, stage. He does sing about being drunk. Yeah, he might be drunk up on stage. Dolly Parton sings about murdering people and stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah come yeah. on. I knew this wouldn't be a supportive room when I had this take, but I had to put this out there. El King, Dolly, you know who's gonna, you know, you know who's gonna make you feel like a small, small Dolly man. Parton. I know. Yeah, whenever yeah. she is, she's yeah. a statement no, on I this. I know she probably. She's gonna, has. She's gonna basically. Tell like I thought sure, it was hilarious. Googling the statement as we speak. <laughs> All right, what if what if the Panthers had drafted C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young fell to the Texans? Among several what ifs that the computers have actually plugged in and calculated for us, we've got that. What would have been the flipperoo Stroud Bryce Young effect? That is next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. I'm Payne and Pendergast with you. What if, what if the Texans... Or I should say, what if the Panthers had chosen to take C.J. Stroud and the Texans had chosen to take Bryce Young? The computer has actually played this out. We'll get to the results in just a minute. Um, how good do you think what, – what do you think happens, Seth? If the, Panth- if the Panthers draft C.J. Stroud, is Frank Reich still the coach in Carolina? If the Panthers draft C.J. Stroud – Instead of Bryce. Like, do you think, do you yeah, think Frank Reich is question. still the coach? I don't know. I don't think so. I think, like, honestly, I, I don't know how well anybody was going to do in Carolina this year. Um, 
I mean, Bryce Young was really, really bad. There's never an excuse for being as bad as Bryce Young was. So I think that, like, I still feel like CJ would have done better than Bryce Young. And yet, they don't, I don't, like, I don't see a Nico Collins and a Tank Dell, you know, in that receiving core. Yep. So, um, I would say probably no. I think that that was going to be, there was going to be disappointment, except, ooh. Yeah, I would say no. I don't think, I think Dave Tepper was going to be, um, Dave Tepper, like, kind of hurt his rookie quarterback by trading away the best receiver to get that young quarterback. Yep. And, like, it, it would have been a disappointing result no matter what. I yeah. think I'm with you, and my reason would be, I think, I think there's a big part of Frank Reich that looked around the building early on once he got there and said, this is not, <laughs> this is not what I expected it to be. And I don't know that C.J. Stroud changes that drastically enough to where it's not – it doesn't feel like dysfunction. Frank Reich seemed like he checked out about four or five games into the season is what it felt like. When you would see some of his press conferences and he'd be talking about how, how miserable it was to meet with the owner and things like that. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. It was probably fraught for disaster anyways. Maybe more to do with Young than, than the quarterback. Or maybe more to do with Reich than anything else himself. Um, Austin Mock, who is a writer for The Athletic, runs a computer model where he simulates the season. And he can put in certain... Put, you know, plug in certain variables and things like that. And he did some what ifs that I thought were kind of interesting, including the big one, the, the lead to the article. What if the Panthers took CJ Stroud and the Texans took Bryce Young? What do the computers say after you simulate a season with the two of them playing for those teams 10,000 times? The end result, the Texans are actually still better than the Panthers, but it's very, very close. Each team picked, oh, really? each team picked up three and a, or well, the Panthers picked up three and a half wins. The Texans lost three and a half wins. So if you round up, Panthers six and eleven, Texans seven and ten, with Bryce Young as their quarterback. Is the Panthers del- six and eleven, Texans seven and ten? So we would be sitting here uh, with boy, I like like obviously like there's just if you trust the computer on this one, uh, I feel like you I I, I need to start uh, you know. It's trying to sell you a bunch of other stuff because um, CJ's CJ's performance is going to be affected by so many other things. Yeah, I think that the the biggest issue with the Panthers is a their actual their actual roster strength um, in the way it's been constructed, as opposed to where I think with the Texans, like what people ignored going into the season was that some of the one year and two year contracts that. That that Nick Casario had had put together were actually did actually improve the team. Like they were actually a better team than were last. I think there's there's a whole lot of people that just kind of just put all of the issues from the last few years on the Texans and just assumed that that was going to be the same. And all you were doing was adding a new quarterback into the mix. Um, the other part of it too is just the actual value of Frank Reich as a coordinator and exactly what does that bring. And I don't I. Frank Reich's got a history now of making offensive lines worse. The the yeah. Colts' offensive line yeah. like had traditionally been really, really good, and then over the course of the time that Frank Reich was there, uh, over several years, it got worse and worse. And then all of a sudden, after Frank Reich left this year, that offensive line, without swapping a whole bunch of dudes out, got better again. Yeah, And likewise, the Carolina offensive line got a whole lot worse with Frank Reich there. And, and I just wonder exactly like, how good of an offensive coordinator Frank, Frank Reich ever actually was. Um, so that's – if you put C.J. Stroud in that situation with Frank Reich, I think that you, you take away a lot of what 
A, Bobby Slowick did, and B, the way that Bobby Slowick and Nico uh, D'Amico decided to, to 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 bring him along slowly. Yeah. I don't think they would have, like, uh, okay, would Frank Reich have named C.J. Stroud the starter immediately, you know, and just kind of put the cart before the horse in a lot of ways, whereas in Houston, they really did things methodically and kind of, you know, wanted wanted to pass certain benchmarks before they threw him out there as a starter. I don't think they would have handled him nearly as well. I uh, I think he would have named him the starter immediately because they were naming Bryce the starter the second he walked off the plane at his introductory press conference. I yeah. think they were hell bent on handling whoever it was they drafted at number one or with you know whatever quarterback they took. They were hell bent on selling them as the 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 next big thing for the franchise, which I think is is part and parcel to your owner being wired the way he is there. If the Texans had gone seven and ten with Bryce Young as their quarterback in twenty twenty three, I think we would be sitting here saying it was a successful season. Like we wouldn't know that there was a ten and seven season with CJ Stroud sitting out there. You know, we would just yeah. know that we would just know that CJ was a serviceable enough rookie for the Panthers to go six and eleven. I'm saying that these computers were actually right that generated this. No, no, no. I, I think that with a rookie quarterback, and that's where again, like with the wire, I was impressed with D'Amico is that I think that given the circumstances the Texans had this year in playing a rookie quarterback, if, if many other coaches had come in, like if Sean Payton had come in and gone 6-11, and 11, I think people would have said, well, yeah, they made improvement. Yep, there's a Sean Payton effect coming in. What did the Broncos finish this year? Uh, they were, I think 8-9, 7-10, 8-9. Yeah, eight, oh, nine. if they were 8-9, yeah. it yeah. would have been like, yeah, look at that. Everything yeah. kicked in, and boy, the Sean Payton effect really really took over there in the second half of the season. I, the, there were valid and reasonable excuses for a sub-500 season this yeah. year. Um, so, and, so a lot of that, I think, goes to D'Amico and uh, the staff he assembled and, and being better than that. No doubt. Yeah, CJ got dropped into a great situation here. There are two other interesting ones on here in this simulation they did this what if article on the athletic what if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt reality was the Jets went seven and ten the what if computer simulation says they would have gone 11 and six if Aaron Rodgers had stayed healthy for the season uh are you buying 11 and six for the Jets if Aaron Rodgers had stayed healthy yeah I think so I think that I think that Jets defense ends up being more like substantially Good. I say substantially. I felt felt like the, there there were times where like maybe the statistics were a little bit misleading as to how good that Jets defense was that you couldn't really rely on them. But it's because they also had nothing dependable on the offensive side of the ball. So I think as a complete team, they end up being a lot better with Aaron Rodgers out there. The Jets are on the Texans schedule next year. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is presumably coming back. How concerned are you about the Jets with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback as a Houston Texans fan? I don't think. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was before. And I don't say that out of any malice towards him. I just say it out of the fact that he's 40-plus years old with an Achilles tendon tear, and his athleticism was a big part of his game. His mobility is a big part of his game. When he's been hampered mobility-wise before, you've seen it very much affect him. And I, I just I, – like, and I, I, I remain completely open to being surprised by his – ability to recover from this just usually guys in their 40s don't come back uh being like any version of themselves from their younger days kevin now now having said that like kevin durant was no spring chicken when he tore his achilles he wasn't nearly as old as aaron Rodgers is now but well into his 30s um and he came back from it fine so it's like it's 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 way more possible now than it used to be but i'm still i'm still skeptical 
The other one that was interesting to me in this article was what if Tom Brady had unretired in August and went back to play for the Patriots <laughs> in 2023? What did the computers say? The, well, the reality was they went 4-13. and 13. The computers say they would have gone 8-9, and nine, that Brady mm-hmm. would have won them four more games this year. I will say this, when you consider how many games they lost – while only giving up ten points yeah, or seven yeah, points or ten, I mean, yeah. their defense was really good. That might be accurate, actually. <laughs> that he might, might be have true. like uh, the only issue would be that Brady may have murdered somebody at yes, some point. Yes, if you take the frustration that he would feel. Well, when when they were playing the Texans in his last year with New England, when he was when he was screaming at people to to somehow be faster when they're on the sideline. He wanted them to somehow swap out their genetics for faster genetics or something Yeah, Yeah. on the sideline. Uh, Yeah, I think it would have been even worse this year. Um, With all the stress of the divorce and everything. That too. I don't know how you simulate that. Yeah. Um, Are you sad to see Greg Olson now presumably stepping aside for Tom Brady? A lot lot of... of, uh, Hullabaloo was made over that last night. That this is probably Greg Olson's last game in the in the eight chair. Uh, yeah, I really like him a lot. He's and great. It, I think he's great. A, at the same time, you know, one of the things that Brandy and I fight about the most is that she likes Tony Romo as mm-hmm. an announcer, and uh, and she's got her reasons. Like she thinks it, it's just fun. The game's more fun uh, when that some the mistakes he makes don't aren't that noticeable if you just ignore them or don't pay attention to them. And I'm. Kevin to be the one that I cannot ignore the mistakes no, that he makes at all. Either. Whereas with Greg Olson, man, I watch a game with Greg Olson and I feel like I'm being educated. I feel like, man, he's got a really good handle on exactly how this game is going. He does everything that Tony Romo does not. And I think, I think Greg Olson is awesome. And yet Brandy doesn't like Greg Olson because she says she can barely hear him and that he just doesn't have that same energy. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know who's in the majority and who's in the minority there. Oh. I think that, I think that Brady is going to be like Greg Olson in that he's not going to be maybe as much fun as Romo if you find Romo fun, but he's going to be studied as hell on the team. So like I think you're just like with Greg Olson, you're going to learn something about those teams, and you're going to get a good feel for exactly what's going into the coach's decisions and all that. It's really interesting. She thinks Romo has more energy than Greg. I think Greg Olson has high energy. Yeah, I think that. Well, you know, I couldn't hear the first year that Romo was doing it. I couldn't hear him enough. That was one of my complaints about it. Yeah, was it his voice just, just the wasn't cadence powerful of enough. his voice? Yeah, no, no, the volume of his volume. Voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like sometimes that's more of a technical issue. I don't know why like the, the, the they can't figure that out in the sound booth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think like Olson's Olson's just got a more understated way of saying things because he's actually thinking about what he's saying. Yeah. Instead of just shooting from the hip. <laughs> yeah. No, I like- you know if they'd caught if they. If they had caught that pass, they could have gotten a first down. I'm like, yep, that's, that's what happens when the uh, play continues because of the catch. Steve yeah. Zabin is a host up in Milwaukee. He used to be a national yeah. host. I used to work with him. Um, he was counting the number of times that Tony Romo said Jim on the broadcast yesterday. <laughs> like, Apparently he leads into everything with Jim, Jim, Jim. Everything's Jim. Yeah. Are people suspecting that that's their way of maybe trying to make it seem like they're still chummy? Maybe. Despite the, sometimes it feels like they hate each other. Not well, it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like Romo hates Jim. It feels like Jim might be done with Romo. That's how it feels. That's how it feels. There's an article yeah. on Barrett Sports Media quoting me saying that last week on this show today. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Payne and Pendergast with you on a Reaction Monday. Let's react to the AFC and NFC title games. I have got the name of three luminaries from each of the two games yesterday, and I want to know, how did these guys sleep 
last night. That is next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Dan Campbell is taking some today. The Detroit Lions head coach. couple controversial in the eyes of some fourth down decisions. In the game yesterday, the NFC title game, one in the um, one in the third quarter that would have uh, a field goal would have put the Lions up twenty-seven to ten. He chooses to go for it on fourth and two. They don't convert. Then late in the game, down twenty-seven to twenty-four, fourth and three at the Niners' thirty-yard line. Instead of trying a forty-seven yard, what would have been a game-tying field goal, he goes for it on fourth and three. They don't convert. So naturally, when you make decisions like that, that are viewed as Unconventional. More teams go for it on fourth down than used to, but I think most teams, especially that, especially the last one, even with a kicker who's not great, I think a lot of teams would have tried the 47-yard field goal there. It doesn't work. You get criticism for it. Here was Dan Campbell following the game saying he he was comfortable with his decisions. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and, and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just – I don't. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Um, I, it's funny. I think people, uh, this doesn't have to be about analytics. Honestly, people want to blame every, every time somebody goes forward on fourth down now as a, as a matter of analytics in a lot of ways. I think, I think some of those same people, if analytics didn't exist, would be applauding the fact that uh, he trusts his guys to go out and get the first down because like, let's leave analytics hundred percent out of it and, uh, ignore the fact that like basically there's a 50, 50 proposition with the analytics. For one, on a very conventional basis, that what was the field goal going to be the second time to go for the tie? Forty-seven a, yards. Forty-seven yarder. Yep. Um, that field goal kicker is just above fifty percent on 
field goals from 45 to 50 yards uh, in, in his career. He's a lifetime 50-50 guy. Um, but two, it said, okay, if you make the field goal, you know, you still do have to – you're going to try to win the football game. It's a, like it's a tie at that point. And they, uh, people are acting like, well, you could have tied the game. Okay. Like, and, then, and then what? Are you, you know, it's, the, it's not the regular season. you got to end with a victory. So in that moment, if Dan Campbell feels like, okay, this is one of our best shots to actually get down and score a touchdown or take more time, like whatever, then, then I'm going to take this. Because it's not as simple as getting back to this same spot against a team that, like he said, is able to, is able to bleed the clock. The, they've, they've figured some things out against the Lions' defense. And whatever the scoreboard said, the 49ers were very much having success moving the ball in the second half. They were. That, that, that was the juncture in the game where the Niners had figured some things out offensively. I know it looks like they figured things out offensively from the seven-minute mark to the three-minute mark of the third quarter. Yeah. They really just got – they were the beneficiaries of a crazy bounce circus catch for 50 yards and then yeah. a fumble deep in Lions' territory – um, so when they, when they, when that decision had to be made to kick the field or to kick the field goal or go for it on fourth down, it was, there were seven minutes and 32 seconds left in the game. So I think what you're, what you're hearing Dan Campbell say there is like, look, if we tie up the game, the way the Niners are playing offense in the second half and Brock Purdy had found a groove, Christian McCaffrey's Christian McCaffrey, there's a decent chance that they go down there and they end this game on us. Whereas if we keep our foot on the gas burn yeah. a little more clock, and go score a touchdown, and it's 31-27. Yeah. Now there's a different type of game pressure on the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, um, I don't know. Like, I, I really, I feel like the only thing the analytics has done in a lot of ways is allowed coaches to actually go with their gut more. Because it gives them it gives them license to, it, like, they've got a, a backup for it. I think a guy like Dan Campbell is probably naturally inclined to want to go for it on fourth down more than, more than not. And there's probably times where the analytics are actually tell the guys up in the with the computers are saying like no actually you probably shouldn't and he's having to fight himself now like when he just chose to kick the field goal early in the game you yeah. know they were they were out there and he he decided to kick the field goal he used his discretion there in that moment I think this and then you add on to that in fourth and two to fourth and three situations this year the the Lions have been seventy percent in converting those those down and distances so it's not like like. If you just go by the strict old school numbers there, in a lot of ways, it made more sense to go for it there than it does to try to kick the field goal of the kicker that you don't trust. He kicked the field goal in the first half, fourth and goal at the San Francisco three. Yeah. He, you know, that a touchdown there puts them up 28 to seven at the half. Yeah. I bet that was a hard decision for Dan. Oh, look, I'm ba- based on what he did in the second half, I'm guessing that decision on fourth and goal at the San Francisco three. With seven seconds left, was a really, really difficult decision for him. It was difficult. In the uh, like, okay, that's fourth and three. The goal line is different than fourth and three out in the middle of the field. Sure, you know because everything's sure. compressed, and sure. that's that. That's the calculation. If it was fourth and one or fourth and two, he might have gone for well, it. Well, and one of the benefits of going for it on fourth down deep in your yeah. opponent's territory is that it leaves them down there offensively. Yeah, yeah. There's seven seconds left in the half. They're yeah, going to take a yeah. knee and burn out the half. So, so I don't know what percentage of the benefit that is of going for it down there, yeah, of, of leaving yeah. them down there. But whatever, it, whatever that is, that's out of the equation now. Yeah, I really I look at that last one, and that, that, that last go for it on fourth down situation is more of a like one that I, I think a coach could have made that thirty years ago without any computers involved whatsoever, and just done it more along the lines of like, look, this is where this is where we are against a really good football team. 
And whether you want to invoke the, the M word momentum or anything like that, like, I think an old school, I think a lot of old school football coaches would have made that same decision right there. It's just now, whenever anybody goes for it on fourth down, they feel like they got to somehow wage war on computers in general. Yeah. I, the, like, that was, especially given that they have this replacement kicker who's no good, I, I, like, I, I'm totally cool with that decision. To me, the more egregious decision making, which I'll, I'll put this on Dan Campbell, even though he's not the one who calls the plays, he is the one who makes decisions as to how they conduct themselves offensively overall, yeah. is that when, when he got past the two-minute warning and you get down into San Francisco territory, you got first and 10 at the San Francisco 24, a minute 39 to go, and you got all three of your timeouts, I would think about kicking the field goal there. I would think about kicking a field goal. You leave yourself with a minute and a half and all three timeouts, and you don't have to onside kick. You kick yeah. it off to San Francisco. You try to get the ball back. You use all three of your timeouts, and you get the ball back. If, if you execute defensively, um, which may not have happened, it's San Francisco, so it might not have worked, but it's a definitely a more sound strategy than what they did, which is hang on to the ball, grind the clock down to a minute, run the ball on third and goal to San Francisco one, get stuffed, have to burn a timeout, and then they score a touchdown on fourth and goal, but now you got 56 seconds left with two timeouts, and now you have to onside kick in yeah. that situation. You you kick a field goal with about a minute and a half to go, and you got all three of your timeouts. You you uh, you leave yourself with a much more conventional shot at a comeback. Still low win probability, but just way less egregious than what they did. In the uh, who didn't sleep well last night and might not sleep well for another like three months. I would say much more so than Dan Campbell. I think Dan Campbell is going to sleep well. Yeah. I think Zay Flowers is going to have fitful sleep for yep. the next six months. Yeah. I, I think, especially, which is a shame because in a lot of ways, he was the Ravens' absolute best weapon, but he was also their greatest enemy. Yeah. And uh, like, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was tough to watch, man. I felt like I was watching a dude melt down in, in real time, you know? I still feel like he's got a towel over his head somewhere. You yeah. know, he was after the game. He was sitting there with one of those Gatorade towels over his head, and guys are coming over having to console him. Um, boy, he just had – he had an – it was almost – it looked like an out-of-body experience for like a five- or ten-minute period in that game. Gets a taunting penalty, fumbles going into the end zone, and then punches a bench and slices his hand open? Yeah. Like, it's the yeah, complete it antithesis bad. of everything you hear about Zay Flowers. It was uh, – and, and, and again, some of that might go back to John Harbaugh. Like, apparently having these guys, like, amped up like, like, like zoo animals who hadn't been fed in a week – like he was just like like don't feed the tigers. I want him to really really put on a show for the for right. the tourists. He <laughs> like the, the Romo and Nance were talking about how beforehand Harbaugh had said that we were gonna or not. I don't know if it was Harbaugh, but the guys from the Ravens had said we weren't gonna let Pat Mahomes, you know, think he could just run without getting hit and like all these other things where you feel like the, the pep talk might have gone a little too far. Because they were just doing stupid stuff. And some of the hits they put on Mahomes, like the, the clowny hit on Mahomes, uh, they, some of it was just really, really dumb. How about the Travis Jones one where he comes, this club up in the air, and I, that felt a little more incidental than clownies, but boy. Yeah, I felt like he was just going for the ball and he just stuck his hand I, But I thought I it was a good call. Like you, you know, you oh, hit yeah, the, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, it has to be. Yeah. yeah, and I guess my point is, like, I didn't feel like – Mahomes was getting any protection in that game. I felt like yeah. the, the calls that Mahomes got in that game, the Ravens got their money's worth on those. And they actually got one. Well, Chris Jones got tripped on his way to Lamar once and didn't, they didn't get called. It was an obvious one. And he got up gimpy um, too. 
Yeah, the the Chiefs actually. I don't. I don't. I never felt like the Chiefs got the benefit of the doubt there. There's some sketchy calls on both sides, like there always are. But I felt like the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs. Uh, like they earned the, it. The, the the calls that worked in their favor were were appropriate. They earned it. Um, pregame distractions. There were actually a couple for the AFC title game yesterday, including one we've not gotten to yet. Some incredible audio from an inactive, at least inactive in the game, but active on social media, Kansas City Chief yesterday, which we will get to next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Uh, 